0: Welcome to Root Words, a podcast that explores agriculture and cooking's role in connecting us to our landscape and our communities. I'm Stephen Abitel. Root Words is a collaboration between Vermont Farmers Food Center, Shrewsbury Agricultural Education and Arts Foundation, and many other community members. The project began in 2017 and was made possible by support from the National Endowment for the Humanities, as well as from this community. Throughout this podcast, you're gonna be hearing stories from people around the Rutland County region in the heart of Vermont, a region rich in agriculture, family farms, a region that's a pastoral working landscape. These stories are gonna be each little windows into what a regional food system really looks like on the community level. We're excited to introduce you to some passionate folks working with the land and with food and bringing communities together, so please, Pull up a chair and enjoy. About 79,000 students go in and out of classrooms each day in Vermont's public schools. Some may be learning to add and multiply, some to speak a new language, and some to fix a small engine. But all of them will get hungry and need to refuel their bodies to help their minds grow. Feeding all these growing students is no small task and it connects parents and caregivers, all levels of government, farmers near and all too often far, and a web of federal programs. In Vermont, it's estimated that nearly a quarter of children are facing hunger. On this episode of Root Words, we'll hear how the pandemic has changed school meals and how some hope some of the changes stick while we explore universal school meals. We'll hear from Teddy Wazisak. Universal School Meals Campaign Manager of Hunger Free Vermont later in the episode.
1: My name is Teddy Wazizak and I am the Universal School Meals Campaign Manager at Hunger Free Vermont.
0: But first, let's reconnect with Harley Sterling, School Nutrition Director of Wyndham Northeast Supervisory Union.
2: Sometimes called Food Service Director um, for the schools in the Wyndham Northeast Supervisory Union, which are six public schools in southeastern vermont um, we cook school meals breakfast lunch and yeah. light supper and some schools do a snack program so we provide the food in public schools with so many things that are going on with covid right now um, a school can quarantine a classroom can quarantine there's high numbers of absences so it's an apples to oranges comparison to years past, but we aim to serve about 70% of our students um, for breakfast and lunch. And we're a small district with declining enrollment. So we only have, give or take, 1,000 students to begin with. So on any given day, we're hoping to serve between five and 700 of them. It's What I've found doing it over the years is it's such a psychological thing the the stigma of school lunch it doesn't matter if you like we could be buying local ribeye and, and slicing it into a steak sandwich and serving these kids things that they have no idea is better than any restaurant they could go to but it's still stigmatized because it's the school food whereas if you bring in a lunchable that's cool so like Sorry, Lunchables, but literally like the cheapest food you can you can create, put a like a flashy sticker on it. And then that becomes the thing kids want. It's so psychological. And and so how do you how do you push back against that? How do you make school food cool? The only way you can do it is by getting um, people that the kids look up to, whether that's other kids, whether that's their classroom teachers, um, once it becomes socially acceptable to get the school food, then then you're cooking. I mean, it, it should come as no surprise that I strongly support universal school meals. I mean, I think it will it will do all the great things that we've seen and that we just sort of talked about, not only in reducing stigma but reducing hunger. Um, to me, it's just kind of crazy. Like if you just zoom out for a second, like. We're, we're having a conversation about whether or not kids should have access to free food universally in school. Um, it's it's such a no brainer to me, like if you were trying to administer any government program to run effectively, like what's what should be your number one priority. With with any amount of money you're going to spend, what should be the first thing you spend money on. To so me feeding children. Um, like i don't even understand how how we're having the conversation like yes yes of course we should be doing this it is going to do all these things um why should we pay for free meals for kids who can afford it well why should we pay for free math class for kids who can afford private school the the service of public education is is to give everybody the same opportunity um and when you have all of these problems with the meal system as it is, where, yes, if you're, if you're on Medicaid or if, you're, if you fill out a free and reduced application, yes, you can get access to free meals, but then you create this two-tiered system where there's all this stigma that we're talking about. So for the amount of money it would take to provide every child in America free meals in school, it's such a drop in the bucket. <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a small amount of money and the amount of good that it could do. With all the money we invest in education. I mean, if you think about all the money we put into the infrastructure of schools and the cost to run schools to not make sure that kids are getting the best shot at having to be able to take advantage of all those opportunities by making sure that they're fed and taken care of. um, It's it's just such a no-brainer.
0: Yeah, because... well, give us a, a little bit of back background too, just about the the kind of government, you know, mosaic of nutritional programs that that you're dealing with right. Well, maybe not right now, but <laughs> but outside of the pandemic, like what are the the many different programs that you need to balance, and would universal meals potentially consolidate that into one system? That's
2: really hard to say. All um, right. I don't understand how everything in Washington works, but the United States Department of Agriculture, which administers the all of the school meals programs, um, is a very complicated creature. Um, and so, you know, currently there's a whole bunch of different federal programs for feeding kids in schools. There's the National School Breakfast Program which has its own set of guidelines and standards. There's the National School Lunch Program, um, which has very prescriptive guidelines, um, vegetable subgroups, calories, sodium targets, saturated fat, all of these very, very heavily administered National School Lunch programs. Then there's the summer food programs um which you know were sort of developed as a way to continue free food for kids over the summers who rely on the meals they're getting in schools so there's two types of those summer programs (laughs) and then there's the child and adult food care program which helps um, kids who are below school age and older americans and and they administer the the at-risk after-school meals program Uh, Also called the supper program, sometimes. And then there's other programs like the snack program and special milk and fresh fruit and vegetable program. So all of these are administered under the umbrella of USDA. And in order to be able to um, to run these programs in your school, you kind of have to master all of the all of the guidelines, and it's a lot. I mean, just the just one of these program manuals is sometimes over over 100 pages, and it can be really dense. And they can all be similar but different in their guidelines. For example, like how much fruit needs to be served at each meal can vary, whether it's a breakfast, a lunch, a summer lunch, um, a dinner, a snack, etc. How those all get amalgamed into this concept of universal meals
0: is complicated. What, what are the, the psychological, physical consequences of hunger uh, on students? There's many of us.
2: And I would put myself in, in the category of people who probably have never really known what it's like to deal with um, hunger in a way that they can't control. And any parent can, can tell you, all the ways that food can affect a child in nefarious, sometimes hard to identify ways from you know just mood, to attitude, um, behaviors, and, and just all of these things that it can take you a long time to be like, "Oh my gosh, this kid's just hungry. Um, it's, it's <laughs> and in schools, you know hunger can be hidden. It, it it can affect all the things i just mentioned behavior attention span and you know confidence and, and and all of these things and it's such an easy thing to fix like i said before it's it's such an easy thing to just take care of if we if we truly understood the impacts that hunger had on classroom performance and everything that has to do with how a school is run and, and the student experience you know the experience of schools for kids i think that we would we would make sure that the best things that we've discovered over the past couple of years with universal meals continue going forward and you know just to summarize that's not only making school meals free for every kid who needs it but making them free across the board so that the school can create a culture of having kids be together eat together normalize the experience of eating in schools don't make it a stigmatized thing have it be there for every kid who who wants it have it be normalized so that they can you know get their needs met and that all of these kids get an equal opportunity um, for education education is supposed to be the great equalizer and and we can't get there if if kids are hungry like try to understand what it would be like if you didn't have the ability or the knowledge on how to to take care of your body how to just go to the store and get what you need um, when you're hungry imagine that you're hungry you're you're having a, a, a nutritional need that's not being met and not understanding what that is, and how that can just turn into anxiety, how that can turn into health problems. How hunger can affect everything. I mean, it's all across the country. Americans struggle with, with nutrition and diet problems. It's, it's the disease of our time are these preventable diseases caused by poor nutrition or, you know, too much sugar or whatever it is. Understanding how that affects children and where we can start to address the injustice and where we can start to change the food system. I really think that it starts in a lot of places, but where I've chosen to put my energies is, is, is helping the most vulnerable, which is the kids who don't necessarily know how to do this stuff yet. And they, even if they wanted to take care of their bodies, they might not have access. Or, um, yeah, access is the biggest thing. So it can look like a lot of things, Stephen. And there's so many great ways um, that people are working to address you know, the food system. And I think that they're all really um, honorable, respectable things. and Just remembering what it would be like to be a kid and not have the knowledge yet, not have the experience yet. How can we take care of them now by making food accessible and also educate them so that they can go forward with this this better understanding? I say this all the time. It's like, what are you going to do three times a day at least for the rest of your life? Mm -hmm. Is feed yourself. (laughs) What's more important than that? Let's make that a part of... Um, public education.
0: Hunger-Free Vermont is working to level the playing field in public education, making sure student needs are met. Teddy Wazizak remembers what it was like to be a kid facing food insecurity growing up, and that empathy feeds his work as Universal School Meals Campaign Manager for Hunger-Free Vermont
1: but you know i'm someone who grew up on free and reduced lunch um who grew up not always knowing where my next meal was going to come from um and it it, it can be very it can be a very lonely experience it can be a very stigmatizing otherizing experience if you know if you as a child are seeing your friends at school come in with all of these snacks or just be able to afford purchasing a meal from the school every day, and you're not able to do that, um, it causes a lot of it it causes trauma, it causes a lot of uh, stress, it causes a lot of anxiety for students, uh, for children, I should say, who should Just be focused, you know, on being kids, on being good students and on um, growing and taking care of what they need to take care of. So it's a it's very stigmatizing and otherizing experience that is, again, largely because of systemic failures that we have. I was very aware that it was happening to me and not to others. Um, I grew up in a you know, upper middle class town in central Massachusetts, um, where there was poverty and there were low income people, but we were uh, by no means a large section of the population. And, you know, we would, I have very distinct memories of, we were, we were on Food Stamps wick when I was younger, and I have very distinct memories of going grocery shopping with my mother, and back in those days they basically had like wick aisles where like all of the foods that were eligible for wick would be in like a certain section of the grocery store so i remember walking those specific sections of the grocery store with my mother she was doing the complicated math and crossword puzzle that is trying to figure out which are eligible and how much we could afford uh, while seeing some of my friends from school in other sections of the grocery store. And there was no big conversation between me and my mother of, oh, why can't we go over there? It's, I knew, you know, kids are smarter than we give them credit for. Um, I knew that we couldn't go over there because we could not afford the same food. We never had as much of the um, fresh produce as I'd go to over to my friend's house and there would be fresh vegetables and fresh fruits and fresh meats everywhere and we always had some of that but we never were able to keep up and we never had the same quality of life uh, in terms of food access that I saw my friends having. and that's, that's just a hard thing to understand as a kid as why that's happening and why why don't I deserve access to the same kinds of foods that they have. And it has long-term health benefits. Look, I mean, like I still, as a fully formed adult, I still have uh, trouble sometimes making the best nutrition decisions for myself or the best food decisions for myself uh, because I was never taught those things as a child because of our socioeconomic situation. Um, <laughs> it's like, now I have bad teeth because like, I still eat way too much sugar. Um, and it, it's those kinds of things that are cyclical and that are systemic that are hurting so many people. And so that's one thing that Hunger Free really focuses on is... Uh, we don't buy into the idea that, especially with children, that it's any child's fault that they don't have enough food. Those are systemic problems. And we think universal school meals is one of those uh, solutions that could address some of that systemic
0: problem. Could you uh, paint paint for us uh, the sort of food security landscape in generally for Vermonters? Who 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 are the folks that are most at risk?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the folks who are most at risk, obviously, are uh, the low income individuals throughout our state. Um, It it is expensive to live in Vermont. There's a high cost of living in Vermont. uh, And there are often a lot of barriers to resources that folks need uh, to gain access to uh, food, just to have that basic food security. So there are, you know, systemic barriers in how easy or difficult it is to access uh, restore resources, aid, financial aid resources to help folks get access to food. There is also, you know, f- food deserts. There are a lot of places. We don't have a lot of public transportation here in Vermont, and there are a lot of places that are uh, a decent amount of time and a decent amount of miles away from their closest grocery store, from their closest uh, access to fresh produce unless they're growing it themselves. Uh, so, you know, children also, I think it's uh, one. in four vermont children have faced uh hunger or food insecurity of some kind uh so you know it's low-income folks but it's also children are really being hurt the most which is one of the reasons that this campaign is so important because it guarantees all children meaning public school students under the age or 18 or under uh guarantees them two nutritious meals a day under our proposed legislation so it would be a huge step forward Mm
0: -hmm. Well, uh, so, so describe a bit of what are the, what are universal school meals and, and, uh, I guess, how does that, how does universal meals address some of the problems or challenges that you're talking about? Hunger free Vermont's
1: goal, our ultimate goal for universal school meals is breakfast and lunch for every student in every school every day across Vermont at no charge to students or their families. It's important that it's universal for a few reasons. One, it uh, reduces or eliminates stigma within the cafeteria. Uh, So a universal system just levels the playing field for every student. It gives every student the same access to the same food every day, regardless of your family socioeconomic status. And the other reason why universal is important is... um, paperwork, and this is both an administrative thing, but also a a stigma thing. The paperwork required right now, uh, the federal government has a free and reduced lunch school meals application, And it's, frankly, very invasive paperwork. They ask for a lot more information than they actually need. It can be very daunting and confusing. And to the surprise of no one, it's federal government paperwork. It can be kind of confusing and hard to get through. Uh, But also on the administrative side of things, that's a lot of paperwork for school administrators to to process. That's a huge time suck. And that costs a lot of money uh, just in time spent by employees filing all this paperwork. Um, So another thing we're advocating for is the simplification of all of that paperwork down to one piece of paper in eight by 11 um, that gives the school the demographic information that they need to continue to get their federal grants etc without creating a huge hassle um, and in fact a barrier to families for trying to access the resources so the universal approach is important on a, a is effective on a wide variety of issues that we're talking about, whether it's delivering food better, whether it's delivering more nutritious food, whether it's reducing the stigma that's involved in the current system. Uh, There are many, many reasons why that universal approach is so important.
0: Yeah, um, can you tell me a bit more about what is the, like, so what are you doing with the Universal School Meals campaign? What is the campaign about? What's the work that you're doing?
1: So the campaign does a lot of grassroots building. We, you know, do our email updates and generating content for social media, but really it's just about talking to folks and getting, meeting folks where they are, educating them about the campaign and asking them to join us and get involved. Uh that's sort of what we've been up to for the past year. The session, the legislative session starts back up on January 4th. Um, so we will be sort of shifting our focus from over the past nine months to a year, we've you know built a lot of great energy, met a lot of great people, and gotten folks engaged with the campaign. Now's the time to leverage all of that to make sure the folks in Montpelier understand that this is a priority for teachers, for parents, for students and school boards, uh, that this is something that everyone agrees is a good idea and it's a priority and it just needs to get over the finish line. We have a website specifically for the campaign. Uh, it's called Universal universalschoolmealsvt.org. On that website, there's information about what's in the bill, um, the actual legislation that we're proposing, uh, but there's also an action page to sign up and get involved. So if you want to sign your organization on, let's say you run a farmer's market, and you want the farmer's market to be an official supporter of the campaign. You can do that you can sign yourself up as an individual supporter you can. uh, There's a contact button where you can just go on there and send an email saying hey I'd love to be involved and talk to someone about the campaign and we can reach back out to you. Um, But yeah go on to universal school meals vt.org. If you have not signed a supporter card to. Support the campaign. Definitely sign a supporter card. Um, but if you know, if you want to, if your thing's making phone calls, if your thing's writing letters to the editor, if your thing is posting on social media, uh, there are always uh, plenty of options and plenty of ways that we can get you plugged in. Uh, so just reach on out.
0: Yeah. So so Hunger Free Vermont has been interested in universal meals uh, since before the pandemic. But can you describe like what's happened? With school meals uh and during the pandemic
1: yes yes which is um this is one of my favorite topics about this is just because i find it so interesting um so yes hunger free you're absolutely right hunger free vermont has been in favor of sp- like this specific program for years um and one of the silver linings, frankly, of the pandemic is the school meal situation. So March of 2020 happens, COVID officially hits, um, public spaces start to lock down the whole nine yards. We all know what happened. Um, (laughs) However, you know, there were, there were millions of families across the country and Tens of thousands here in Vermont that went from knowing where their child was getting one or two meals a day every day to not being not only not having those meals, but now have to pay for and prepare for them themselves. And so schools um, with school meals, just like everything else, had to scramble and figure it out. And so many great folks on the ground uh, figured out how to make it work. But throughout the rest of the 2020 school year and well, the end of the 19 to 20 school year, and the first half of the 20 to 21 school year, um, schools were still almost universally closed, uh, and schools set up delivery systems. So rather than driving school bus routes to pick up children, uh, the school buses were running with meals on those buses, and they were being handed off at families' homes directly to the families every day or you know maybe three times a week and they drop off two meals at a time something like that uh and one of the reasons that this was able to happen was because of the federal government the usda uh, united states department of agriculture has certain um standards and rules for how school meals one, how they can be like the actual content, you know, it has to be a nutritious meal, vegetable, so on. Um, But they also have rules for how it's prepared. It has to be prepared in a safe kitchen and delivered on, you know, a certain type of material so that we're not like accidentally poisoning kids with like a bad aluminum tray or whatever it is. but the federal government was responsive during the pandemic, and the USDA issued waivers for a lot of those standards, which allowed schools to be more flexible in how those meals were delivered. And, and that's a that, that is both a positive and a negative. It was a positive in that it allowed students, I mean, allowed schools more flexibility, um, allowed schools to be very creative in how they delivered those meals. But the drawback was that the nutritional standards also got waived. You know, right now, a school meal has to, like I said, meet certain standards by the USDA. You can't just give kids a lollipop, a Snickers bar, and a soda and call that a school lunch. Uh, During the height of the pandemic, when things were at its worst, the government basically took the position of like, hey, if you can get the kids Pop-Tarts, get the kids Pop-Tarts. Like, we're not gonna be purists here. So, As we've gotten back to normal, the USDA has, at least in my view, uh, balanced pretty well in that they have reinstituted a lot of the nutritional standards but have maintained some of the other waivers that uh, basically free up a bunch of federal money for schools to operate universal school meals so the short version of what i just said is that universal school meals has now been the reality in almost every vermont school in one form or another for over two years now uh, over two school years i should say Um, So right now, if your child attends almost any public school in Vermont, they will get a breakfast and a lunch that meet those nutritional standards for free every
0: day. Teddy and the folks at Hunger Free Vermont are working to ensure that students continue to receive a nutritious breakfast and lunch every day. Bill S-100 is in the House Education Committee and has been pared back to only include universal breakfast at this time. Hunger-Free Vermont has begun briefing legislators and continues to fight for universal lunch.
1: One of our goals is to eradicate poverty and hunger in Vermont. And that wouldn't be a goal of ours if we didn't think we could actually do it. Uh, The injustices, in in my view and Hunger-Free Vermont's view, the injustices that surround food insecurity are entirely manufactured um, and therefore can be disassembled. Uh, We have enough food (laughs) on planet earth. We have enough food. We have the resources to feed everybody, much like we have the resources to provide a home for everybody. But the systems are not set up in a way which allow that to actually happen um so organizations like hunger free vermont um we're really good at pulling people into this campaign we're good at getting other organizations on board with a legislative or an advocacy push that we're we're good at communicating with our federal delegation in washington the things that are actually happening on the ground uh, we are good at pulling together groups of community members uh through our hunger councils that exist in every county uh to connect people to services that are available to them when they need them. So in my view, what organizations can do to most actively combat the injustice that is food insecurity uh, is advocate for these large systemic changes is advocate for Farm to school being the standard, advocate for universal school meals, making changing the conversation to make people understand that food is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps resource. It's a basic human right and something that everybody needs. So from an organization wide, these nonprofits, advocacy organizations, governments, um, service providers, All of those folks advocating for large systemic changes to our current food systems um, is how we're going to be able uh, to actually make those changes and deliver food to folks on an individual level. you know, I, I I like to say uh, hunger free is, is trying to make it easier for folks to get fed while other people are doing the actual feeding of folks. Uh, there are so many people all across the state, just ordinary folks who step up to uh, make sure that their neighbors aren't going hungry. And while I don't believe they should have to be doing those things, it, it, we, we should not need ordinary individual people to step up and volunteer their time or volunteer their money or their resources to take care of their neighbor. Uh, it's it's a beautiful thing that they do do that. So, you know, just on an individual level, taking any action that you can to make a difference and to connect folks to food um, is, is amazing work and, and it should be kept up. But uh, us advocates, organizations, service providers, nonprofits, and decision makers need to just change and overhaul the systems that we have now, because for so many folks, they're just not working.
0: This episode was produced by Stephen Abitel. Special thanks to Teddy Wazizek, Harley Sterling, and Hunger Free Vermont. To learn more about Hunger-Free Vermont's Universal Meals Campaign, visit www.universalschoolmealsvt.org. Our musical themes are by the Salt Ash Serenaders. We are a project of the Vermont Farmers Food Center and SAGE. Thank you all for listening and for being a part of our local food system. We'll catch you next time on Root Words.